We're giving away two Almond Surfboards R-Series Soft Tops. That's right, two. Two lucky winners will be picked at random on December 1st. This network is listener supported and is a thank you to those who donate. We try to give away six surfboards a year. Almond Surfboards is doing a collaboration soft top with Surfrider Foundation. The board is 100% recyclable. It has stringers embedded in the foam, futures fin boxes, so you can actually kind of shred the board. I'm calling it medium performance, not quite high performance, but certainly kind of a step up from a generic soft top. Anyway, if you want in, you can make a donation of any size on surfsplendorpodcast.com slash donate, and then we will pick two winners on December 1st. The first name drawn will get to pick between the 5.4 quad or the 8.0 single fin, and then the second person will get the other one. And if you buy one of the boards from Almond Surfboards, they're actually donating a portion of the proceeds to Surfrider. So you can see all about those boards and make the donation on surfsplendorpodcast.com slash donate. And thank you for keeping this network alive and growing. A friend of mine told me that Neil Young said the earth radiates at a B-flat frequency. I always found that very interesting. And the frequencies are the same as energy and energy is what we're all made out of and that's why we're all connected to every living thing and to each other that's the voice of gavin beshin in jack coleman's new film zone frequency in addition to gavin the film profiles ryan birch bryce young dave rostovich andy Meeblis, asher pacey and a few others that jack will discuss in today's chat the film is shot from Newport Beach to Australia, G-Land, France. It is the single best surf film that I have seen this year, and maybe even the last couple of years. It not only features the best surfing on the widest variety of equipment, but more importantly, it's actually the correct equipment for the given waves, of which there's tremendous variety, from soft tops to birches, asims, to 12-foot gliders, And those boards are high performance. They incorporate some ancient designs. And many of these elements in the film, these surfers, these types of boards, are stuff that we get to see daily on Instagram. But on that platform, often they're not particularly noteworthy. Sometimes they're just kind of only maintain my interest as novelty. I don't know that my brain kind of computes fast enough to process the context of the surfer, their equipment, as it relates to all of the WSL surfing that I that I consume. It's just, I see it and I go, oh, that's kind of interesting, and I scroll past. But the success of Zone Frequency is all in its direction. All of this raw material, which is spectacular, could have easily been cannibalized by a lesser filmmaker. Zone Frequency, on the other hand, marks a crescendo of confidence and conviction from filmmaker Jack Coleman that he's been edging towards with his previous four films. It's all kind of nested in the same unique thumbprint that Coleman established with his early work, but frequency bounds effortlessly between different moods. From this heart-pounding, searing shortboarding set to the track that you're actually hearing now under my voice, to literal backwards ballet on smaller right-hand point breaks on a glider, that is set to a beautiful harp serenade, which unexpectedly 
Gavin Bashan charging pipeline also works beautifully well with. And this confidence of Coleman to understand the mood of an environment and of a surfer, and then to convey it through visuals and audio, and then connect all of these unique moods into one even expression is the reason why Zone Frequency is the best film of the year. And by the way, that's not a small statement. There are better surf filmmakers now than ever. And some of the greatest films that I've seen this year feature spectacular cinematography, direction, surfing, and many of those are even scored to their own music. But they almost always commit to that mood for the entirety of the piece, sometimes becoming too long art projects, operatic in scope and effort, but ultimately kind of lulling its viewer to sleep despite its really, you know, handy and deft craftsmanship. And again, Coleman could have been accused of that in his early work, committing to a mood and sticking with it throughout the film. But frequency marks a moment where all of the complexities of modern surfing and of Coleman himself are cinematically personified. And what's most exciting is that Coleman is actually entering into a new phase of his life after this film closes, which he tells me he seems to do every eight years or so. After growing up in Southern California, he left in his early 20s to work as a model for eight years, living in Milan, Germany, Miami. During that stretch, he learned about photography, and then he spent the next eight years shooting stills for fashion and editorial, eventually finding his way back to Newport Beach, California, and his childhood love of surfing. He then transitioned into filmmaking, and he's been nestled in the same location in Newport Beach, right behind the Frog House, living, producing a film every two or three years. But he's been in that location for eight years. And so on December 1st, he'll be leaving that home, vagabonding around the globe for an indefinite period of time. And if you've ever fantasized about what would be required to pursue that lifestyle of world travel endlessly, Jack outlines it in the second half of this conversation. So look forward to that. But before we get into that, today's show is sponsored by one of this year's favorite companies, which is Slow Tide, mainly a towel company, but not just. And everyone who bought Slow Tide towels when we last featured them on the show sent rave feedback, my family included. And they have oversized beach towels, bath towels, changing ponchos. My favorites are their premium woven towels, which are just plusher and richer than the other printed towels. Um, another thing, I traveled to Costa Rica and a couple of other places this year with one of their travel towels, which is microfiber, so it's super thin, it packs into a very small square, it's lightweight, but it absorbs as well as the plush towels, and it actually dries faster. So that's a great add-on if you're going to buy some product, throw in a travel towel. Um, you can support this show by using the promo code PODCAST, you'll get 10% off You'll get free shipping on orders over $75 and then a really nice canvas tote with purchases over $150. Slowtide.co is their website. So slowtide.co promo code podcast. I thank you for that in advance. And today's show was recorded at the Florida Surf Film Festival, wherein Zone Frequency was awarded the Film of the Year Award. We recorded this conversation the very following day. So without further ado, my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor. Here's my conversation with filmmaker Jack Coleman. 
cheers. Yes, this is my first beer of the day. Hair a dog from last night, though. Is it? How yeah, many are you on? No, no, I, I don't drink that much anymore, but oh. um, I mean, I probably had maybe 10 drinks last night, maybe five cocktails, five beers. So that was, you know, but you looked pretty loose for sure. You were. Did I? Could you tell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the giveaway? Um, yeah, just the eyes, the window to the soul. Oh, shit. Yeah, you were. What did I reveal, dude? It was just, uh, just full of voidness. Yeah, you're, you're enjoying the the day into the night or the last couple days, and yeah, you were, you're on a good one. How'd you feel this morning? Pretty good. I like started drinking water and eating grapes after the party, and uh, yeah, I I think I recovered good. I don't feel too hungover. Uh, missed you at breakfast. Yeah, I uh, I missed the boat, huh? <laughs> you yeah. did. That felt good. I slept until like ten. No way. Ten a.m. Good. So that you. was like kind of the first day that yeah I was able to sleep in. I think I kind of maybe have a little bit of a yeah. I guess I've been drinking over the last month on the tour, so mm-hmm. you know it's like kind of a lot, a lot of parties. So I'm finding the way to transition to the next morning. Fine. It it's brutal. It, like it wears on you. Like, yeah. I really feel like I punished my body worse in ways than, like, having done physical physical activity. Yeah, that's what it does, morning. yeah. yeah it's, it's like the trade-off for me now is not worth it. For I love the daytime, so, like, just to be nursing yourself back to health in the day, unless it's like, well, if it's a rainy, rainy day, then you're, like, really kind of depressed almost. Yep. If it's a sunny day, you feel like... You're, you know, really like a blob of shit, you know? That's the way I felt today. I spent most of the day, well, we went and got breakfast, and that breakfast, uh, I hate to tell you, was amazing. Oh, did you go to a different place? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I went to this epic place, and just like getting all of that grease, and like I had biscuits, and like a bunch of heavy stuff, just weighing, soaking up all the alcohol in my system, made it actually feel good. Came back, chilled for a bit. Nice. Yeah, but last night was pretty epic, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing venue here. Uh, And yeah, it's like a little art colony for artists, you know, turns out. And uh, yeah, we all have our own little accommodation, like on the property. And we've almost, yeah, it's like a little, um, it's like a little village Mm -hmm. of uh, surf film, you know, festival people getting together. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I didn't expect what happened last night it was kind of like we went you know we sat down after and then they gave me the the award and stuff so that was a nice surprise and um yeah the turnout was great like my movie played last a lot of people left like four hours of surfing could maybe be a lot for some people and then some people have kids so i think my movie went on almost like 10 p.m but yeah everyone that stayed had a had a good time and uh yeah, I thought it showed well. The screen's big. The sound was good. I think and, the, uh, a lot of people, I think, thought that the main uh, portion was that second set of films because mm-hmm. that one was packed. Yeah, like yeah, You yeah. couldn't find a seat in there. Yeah, yeah. So maybe um, they should rearrange that. But at any rate, what are your... 
I wanted to know what you felt about it as a filmmaker being able to showcase it in this type of environment. How much or how little does that matter to you? Um, it's yeah, it's my first film festival that I have attended with the movie. So yeah, it's it's incredible. But yeah, a lot of the showings are. I'm just kind of send the movie off and yeah, you guys could show it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard to be at every place, especially when, you know, you're on a, my type of a budget, which is, you know, no budget, but, uh, but yeah, it's a great, great opportunity to like showcase a movie, be there, you know, see their reaction, meet new people, be on a whole nother side of the country, you know, really epic. So as a viewer, I, we came out of the theater and I told you, first thing I told you, I was like, dude, I, in, I'm inspired not only to like get in the water and surf as quickly as possible. I'm ex- inspired to like listen to music, to make music, to eat, to drink. Like the film, I was completely absorbed in it. And it's an art piece that moved me in a lot of ways that made me just want to like express, I guess is what it is. And I don't know that I would have fully had that exact same experience had I watched it on my iPad. You know, like I think I would have loved the the movie on the iPad, but emotionally, I guess in the room and the, I think the sound has a lot to do with that as well. Um, but emotionally being in the room, it was just like overwhelming, like, Oh my gosh, this is epic. You've got it running (laughs) through your veins. And then I just came out and like wanted to express that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I could tell you were, you definitely got in you, you know, but yeah, I think that's the, the best way to see a movie, you know, in yeah. a theater at a premiere with all the energy and the, remember the last night that one guy yelling and, mm-hmm. and it brings a whole different, um, uh, perspective to it because yeah, different crowds have different reactions to different waves, you know, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of parts to the movie that I know where there's going to be a reaction to like either a crazy wave or, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think uh, movies are definitely meant to be seen like that for the full experience. But now it is, it's it's pretty nice that you could just pop it on like a 60 or 70 inch at home mm-hmm. now as well and stream it. You could get it pretty close to that experience, but not with all the the other energy from the people. So yeah, yeah it's obviously the best way to see a movie. It and really is. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I feel like there is a revival in surf film and almost a revival in uh, film festivals too. You know, like I see them popping up all over the place. So it'll be a good opportunity for people to catch stuff. But um, let's talk about zone frequency. Zone frequency is part two of a zone trilogy. What is the concept behind the trilogy and what is the zone? Um, Yeah. Yeah. The zone is, it's going to turn out to be three, three separate movies. Uh, and um, I don't know. I think the concept behind it is just uh, the, well, my favorite surfers that uh, in the water is the main thing because uh, at the core of all three of the movies, it's they're just surf movies. So it's like a, a performance surf movie, but without performance equipment. So it's kind of each each guy like expressing their way of surfing um in a way that that's the zone you know like i think 
you know, a guy like David Rosovich, you know, he lives in the zone, you know, he's in his own zone and Asher or Ozzy and each guy, um, is flowing with life and with surfing. They're flowing their surfing with their life. I think more in a, you know, in a positive direction, uh, where it's not so, um, ego driven anymore. I like how each of the cast members that I select for these movies are very carefully picked out. I want each surfer that's in each of these films to, um, you know, kind of be doing something, uh, positive, like on the land, you know, not just in the water where they're, they're really nice to watch in the water, obviously, but on land as well, they're, they're, uh, I think they're giving something back to like our surf culture through, you know, either their shaping or their, you know, activism or whatever you'd want to say. But I, I just say the way they treat other people. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of based off that. It's just the zone. I think it's like it was just a slang term that we'd say when someone surfed really well. Like, man, you know, like my he's in the zone, you know, and uh, and I love being in the zone. So I f- was thinking, well, I want to make another zone movie, and then uh, and then after this one, I was like, well, I guess I got one more in me. So maybe I'll do a, a trilogy. as a kind of you know, nod of the cap to, to Witzig's, you know, trilogy that he did. So, yeah, I don't know. I think with, with the frequency, when I started to kind of uh, realize that the surfers that I'm shooting with are just starting to have kids and families and get married and we're all getting older and stuff, but they're still, you know, relevant surfers and what they're doing is incredible. And, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of been with this movie wanted to like maybe touch upon you know, their, their families, like who the things behind their surfing. So there's, you know, one section in particular, you know, that, that, um, that ends the film and it's, you know, based around, um, Gavin and his son, Ozzy and his daughter, Rangi and his new wife, and then Bryce and his mother to close the film out, which is like his best friend. So I think that the, the frequency is kind of like, the zone was more like these guys are in the zone and this is like, boom, you know, here's a performance surf, um, film with, you know, there was a lot more of, um, free friction in that. Um, and now I think that this one's kind of, you know, showcasing more of like Ryan Birch's boards and Bryce Young's surfing, which is really, um, special what's happening right now with them too. And, uh, yeah, and then touching on that that uh, family aspect and stuff. So the the zone frequencies like when you're in the zone, and now you've you've found your frequency, and that's what you know. Each of the surfers in the zone frequency are doing. You know, Asher is doing his thing, and Robin's doing his thing, and Andy got in, and it, that's going to be a part of the trilogy. The trilogy as well is uh like rotating like new cast members in that I feel like our guys that are like in the zone. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, my perspective on it is that first, the zone, the first film um, obviously featured Derek Hind pretty prominently. And it felt a little bit more like traditional narrative. This one, I feel it's more abstract, but it's actually more successful. Like these 
our character profile studies, almost Taylor Steele used to do Everybody has a section, you know? A lot of films are like that. But yours, it has, it's not just a section about the person. It does infuse all of their personality. And it is a character study, but done in a very abstract way. So I feel like I know Asher Pacey through watching the film, even though he doesn't have voiceover or anything like that, you know? And there yeah. isn't a Q&A with Asher. But yeah. it's it's beautifully done. Like, it's a very successful a profile study of these guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think um I was blown away by it. Yeah, there's with with a you know the time that you're allowed for a a feature movie, you know, they're usually in the 30 minute, you know, to an hour mm -hmm. range. Yeah, and, shit. Um, <laughs> a little dance party outside. <laughs> How good is his hat? It's so, so good. good. I love that. His thing. whole outfit. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Um I don't know what were we, what were we uh, talking, uh, talking about, about there? successfully designing like these character oh, profiles yeah, yeah, yeah. in a kind of abstract. Yeah, I mean, it's just I get to spend time with the guys. So That's it's what. Like, it is yeah, for sure. it's just like we're all pretty close now, you know. And uh, a lot of the cast members are like their best friends, you know. It's right. like the G Land trip that we made. It was me and Ryan, Derek. Eric and then the other friend Chris that they all grew up together. Yep. So I was kind of like the fifth wheel on that trip. Like just kind of like watching four best friends who grew up together, go on a surf trip to G land, mm -hmm. you know, and they're just like having the best time, you know, it was a great trip, but yeah, I get to like spend time with all of them. So I kind of, I have a feel for what, uh, each, each, you know, cast member like represents and what they stand for and stuff. And then, yeah, just adding, in the 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 music to 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 showcase their personalities is like another thing that i like consciously like to do you know like oh this this song's great for for robin and andy and or this song is um you know perfect for ari brown or you know so so that consciously goes into it as well uh tell me i'd love to hear more about that process i yeah. the music to me is unbelievably good like, and I told you this on the beach the other day that I have high expectations for the music in your film. And last night they superseded, I saw the film previously, but they super, they exceeded my expectation. The music's so, so good. How do you find it? I know you don't use Spotify. Like, how do you even find music? Are you on YouTube? Are you listening to the radio? Are people giving you stuff? Yeah, no. Uh, well, the last two, maybe I've had some stuff that's given to me. Like, I think maybe in the late 2000s like right before 2010 before i got into filmmaking i kind of started really dabbling in with um um you know cultural music like world music you know turkish underground or um you know persian stuff but i'm i, I was drawn to that kind of early 70s garage you know stuff that they're they're you know recording all around the world at the time even african stuff so yeah, there's been some people that have kind of pushed me in a direction, like, check this out. And then from that, yeah, I mean, YouTube's a huge thing. Okay. So YouTube's, um, you know, a really big tool to kind of, for me to keep kind of popping around. And, and um, every other week or so, I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around. And then I have, you know, I have like a full kind of list of, uh, you know, 100 songs that I really like that I think could bring something to a, like a surf edit and um so yeah i just keep those on on the back burner and then some sometimes they get 
they get put in the movie, you're only allowed so much time in a movie. So, you know, you have eight songs and, you know, I have a folder of a hundred songs that are all really great songs. It's just, there's so much great music out there that never really is getting out because, uh, I don't know, you know, people aren't looking for it or they're not really that interested in looking for it. But when they hear it, they're like, Oh my God, this is really amazing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I like to listen to that music all the time, you know, or, you know, so I'm pretty off the, the mainstream path. I'm looking for, you know, these, these artists that were just like recording in their garages, like a long time ago. And, you know, they're just really small and, um, I don't know, the soulful songs that I like, you know, mostly instrumentals, but yeah. Who are, uh, the cast of characters in zone frequency? Um, it is, uh, Bryce Young, Ryan Birch, Ari Brown, uh, Robin Kegel, Andy Neblis, Asher Pacey, Ozzy Wright, Eric Snortum, Rangy Armand, and uh, Rasta. How'd you meet Rasta? Uh, I met Rasta in just through like being in Australia, I think in 2013 when I started to go there. Like, um, I would do long three month trips and I was staying near where he lives. So the proximity was kind of like, we would always see each other, you know, like downtown or, or see him at the pass. He'd go surfing with Lauren or, you know, it's just like he knew I was embedded and he eventually, like I, I met him through my friend, Ryan Haywood, who's a photographer and he was doing that Corona beach house thing at the time and then that was the first time that i you know got to meet rasta and you know hang out with him and stuff but he wasn't even really supposed to be in this movie and the the few waves that he is in the movie on when he's kneeboarding i'd happen to be out in the water and i heard someone go hey jack you know and turned over and there was rasta you know like what are you doing how's it going and so yeah i Caught the first wave in. He actually gave me a wave. I caught the wave and ran home, got my camera, ran back. And and then that was how, like, I'm like, well, Ross is meant to be in this movie. You know, it kind of happened that way. But, but uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not, like, you know, I'm not super close with Ross, but I'm not um, trying to, you know, he has so much um, stuff. Or he likes to be private, so I like for him to have his privacy, you know. Which is why I asked about him specifically. Um, is there a, I mean, how delicate is that as a filmmaker? One model in surfing is like, hey, the more publicity, the better. Like, show up at the beach at this time and we're going to shoot photos and you're going to get publicity and we'll all get more likes on Instagram and all that. And it feels like the most successful pro surfers that we've seen are the opposite of that. They're actually, you know, Dane Reynolds or, and we can go way back in history, they're actually aloof and they don't necessarily want the attention. So how delicate is that relationship as the filmmaker? Do you have to ask like what, what's the, yeah, relationship no, like? it's, it's like a building trust thing, you know, like, yeah, the, the first few times I met Ross, it was just like, Oh, you know, cool. Nice to meet you. And then over time you continue to see each other. And then, I mean, a lot of the cast I'm really close with, you know, like, with Ari Brown, I stay with his family. With Ozzy, I'm with him and his family. With Bryce, I'm like with their family. Um, 
but yeah, it took, a, took, took time to kind of build that trust. I mean, some guys are right away, you know, like me and Derek Disney, for instance, kind of both, um, I ended up getting signed with Visla and he was already on the team and he was one of the reasons that I was even, I wanted to be on the team. I'm like, whoa, he's amazing. So yeah, Derek's the easiest guy to work with. He's like that type of guy. You don't have to, there's no, it's really easy. Like, okay, I'll go to the beach. All right, meet me there at 10 and he'll mm-hmm. show up. But, but yeah, the, the, there's some guys that are pretty dynamic, you know, that are really hard to shoot with because they're not seeking the attention. Like I would say one in particular would be like Robin Kegel, who's a, you know, in, in my movies and yeah, no one, he doesn't really shoot with anyone. So it's taken, it's taken me, you know, a long time to build that trust to where now Robin trusts me and, and I'm the only guy that he shoots with, you know, on the reg or that I know of or anything like that as well. But if, uh, like with that Rasta example that you gave, when you're headed in to the beach to grab your camera gear, do you ask, Hey, can I go shoot you? No, no, no. I, um, I think that we've already had that. We've already crossed that okay. road. So yeah. He knows. Yeah. He, he, he knows what then, I, I feel like he maybe, I think he saw me on the point after I ran back and set up my camera and maybe stayed out a little bit longer than he probably would have. If I wasn't there, he probably was like, all right, I'll get one more. I, I think Jack ran and got his camera. Right. <laughs> Did, and then so. once you're going to use the footage, do you showcase it to them for their approval? Um, I no, think. I know. No, I, I mean, I haven't, maybe I should do that with Rasta. He's a, such an exception. He's like, but, um, no, I feel like I'm portraying them in a positive light or, cool. you know, if it's, if it's something that, uh, I would know not to, you know, like, yeah, yeah Rasta backs me and we're, you know, he understands what I'm trying to accomplish and stuff. And yeah. so, yeah, no, I've never, never had that happened before cool. or i've never had to do that but cool. but yeah it's like yeah you're building a relationship like for instance a new cast that i'm planning on having for the next movie it's like this last year was like we finally got to meet and you know and, it, and the year up to that was kind of like everyone going oh you should meet this surfer he'd be good for your films it's like oh, okay cool but it takes a long time for or you know to things i don't really rush things and i'm not really like that filmer you know where it's like we gotta get clips you know i'm i'm more um yeah i'm a little bit more easygoing probably easier to work with if you ask the surfers it's kind of no pressure it's just me on my own you know kind of shooting from the hip so not trying you know not really being too intrusive and i just let the surfing kind of tell a story that's the main thing with these guys and i'm I'm sure that they like that as well because you know, it could be hard on them to ask them to do something that they don't want to. So I'm careful of that, not doing that and keeping it really simple on a, you know, just like trust level. Mm-hmm. But yeah. can you say who the surfers are going to be in your next film? Well, yeah, it's crazy. Cause yeah, the last time I remember I was talking to you, the last podcast we did, I was like, Oh yeah, I want to have this and this person. So a lot, a lot of things change, you know, like, um, I mean, is there surfers that I, you know, wish that I could have in the movie? I mean, yeah, there's like two in particular that are 
I'm hoping to be able to get into the next movie. So, um, but yeah, Mikey February is, is one of them. And then I also Dan Malloy, who's one of my favorites of all time. But so like, you know, that type of, uh, um, you know, those two guys in particular are at the top of, of my list for, for new cast members. It's a great call. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I, you used the word progression, I think, at the beginning of this conversation. Um, I feel like your films are very progressive. Or the, or what I mean is the surfing that's being done of them is actually progressive. And traditionally, when surfers use that word, we're talking about Felipe Toledo doing two alley-oops at J-Bay and that being progressive. And to me, and it is, I think that is too, but like to me, these guys are designing boards designing features into boards that we've never seen before. So the boards are progressive boards. There's a certain, there's a right board for every type of conditions. And these guys tend to be on that right board for the right conditions. And the board that they're writing is kind of a design experiment in a lot of ways that it's on the fringes that is pushing things in a progressive way. And then your way of kind of capturing it all is more abstract and progressive that we really haven't seen in surf filmmaking before. So I feel like all of it is. And every time that you introduce a new character, I'm like, oh, dude, you tapped into it perfectly. Like, Febs is hitting his stride. Like, got off tour, isn't always riding the same thrusters, and he's and people are embracing it and really celebrating it. So he's hitting his stride right when you're going to kind of connect with him. Dan Malloy, I feel the same way about, or a different way about, but similar in that as the surf world is kind of cycled back to some of this uh, alternative equipment, Dan is the guy who rides that equipment best. And he, he hasn't lost a step at all. If anything, he's only gotten fitter and kind of more actualized and all of this. And it's like, oh God, revisiting Dan is such a genius move. Like, I think it's epic. I'm so curious to see what he would ride, where he would ride it, how he's going to ride it, all of that. I was trying for this this movie to get Dan in, but yeah, you know, he has a lot going on with his farm and his family and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I cross my fingers. That is like best case scenario because uh, I feel like he's, um, you know, he's not seeking the attention. He's fell off the radar. He doesn't. He hasn't been in a surf movie in a while, and mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people. It'd be a great like remembrance of what he contributed, you know, and he did so much, you know, through his, his trans, his transformation from, you know, performance surfboards into riding, you know, the equipment and, uh, and yeah, Mikey's the, the same way. Like, you know, he's, he's still riding thrusters like right now, I guess he's like prepping for the Olympics and stuff, but yeah, he's loving shaping his own boards and, and he's getting boards off of like a lot of other shapers and and then on top of that like what he's doing for you know south africa how just he's such a like positive role model you know he doesn't mm -hmm. he's not getting in trouble he surfs amazing he's nice to everyone i mean it's just like for me would be um that's best case scenario for both of those guys but like they're you know you never know what what will will transpire in the making of a movie but but yeah, that's, that's my hopes or, you know, and there's, you know, other new cast members as well. I'm pretty sure that, 
my friend uh, Zach Flores will probably have a part, and he's a young kid. He just turned 19, and uh, I, you know, I held him back from this one to kind of have him in the next one, and so there's like a little place for everyone and, and for the new guys, yeah. you know, obviously bright, you know, Bryce Birch and Derek will still be prominent in the next movie as well. So, so yeah, there's a kind of a limited number of space and, and, um, and there's kind of a reason for each surfer that I think are, is going to be added to the next one. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's I hope super I hope, fun. Yeah. I hope those guys, Fabs and Dan come together. Yeah. Um, what's the business model or what's the financial model? I should say, like, how do you even get around the world to surf and travel with these guys? And I mean, it's a three year ordeal lots of times. Um, yeah. how does that all work? Yeah. It's just like, there's no, I don't like set budgets or even think really about that. I just kind of say, I'm, I happen to, you know, come into some money from some work you know, that money goes, okay, well, I can buy my plane flight to Australia and I'll go there for seven weeks. And then, and then I stay with, you know, my friends over there or I'll come home and, um, yeah, I'm going to go to Baja and drive into Baja with my own truck or, but it's just kind of like, it's almost like my life. It's not like I'm thinking of, um, oh, I need to do this to do this. It's just, um, it's gotten to where it's literally just kind of all of that I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm kind of just, um, I don't really think about the financial stuff um, too much. It's nice having a little bit of help, you know, which I do. You know, it's, I'm going on year five with Visla, So they've been the kind of the backbone to all this over the last five years because I've been able to rely on that steady amount i know that i can you know have my rent paid and then i could set aside some money to go on a trip so yeah it's all me hustling on the side trying to get um money saved to get on the next trip and then is that film work yeah gotcha yeah all film work so yeah that was kind of the point when i first started i was i had to you know do other jobs i was doing like photography jobs to kind of to start the dream of making surf movies because it did, you know, it doesn't really pay. And, uh, and then eventually I was able to phase out that part of my life, like the photography and doing all the, the, cause I just wanted to focus on surfing. So yeah, I'm getting to do what I really want to. I just yeah. always wanted to make surf movies. Yeah. I didn't really care to enter the commercial world or anything like that, which is a lot more lucrative, but I, th- I think that having your, your freedom and sanity as opposed to like big paychecks is, you know, it's priceless. So yeah, yeah I don't make that much money, but I'm able to, you know, live such a free existence and it's so fun, you know, just traveling around the world, hanging out with friends that are from different countries and, you know, just, uh, it's kind of the dream. Well, that, that I've wanted and it's, you know, it's here. So that to me is what I really want to talk to you about. We, I know we talked about it a bit already, but let's do it again for the listeners and I can do a deeper dive too. Uh, you're shaking things up. You're going to have a new phase of your life coming up on December 1st. You've lived in Newport beach for the last 10 years or so, or more than that, actually. Yeah. Like 24 20, or something. 20 years. Um, 
you're giving it up. Yeah. Going on the road. <laughs> yeah. Gonna be a vagabond. <laughs> yeah. So you and I are both, let's just say middle-aged and, uh, I'm feeling that pull, dude. Like, I think it's a normal thing probably for people, certainly in Orange County. Maybe it's a midlife thing anyways, you know, but um, Orange County, it's such a rat race and it's not that gratifying. And you just find, and I know you talk about the waves being not inspiring, but all of it is just kind of uninspiring and wildly expensive. And so you find yourself compromising, you know, your own kind of, choices or things that you would want to do just to service that financial model. And so the idea of abandoning it all and getting out of town is so appealing. And yet I think we all have like a mental trap or anchor that prevents us from doing it. What are you doing and why? Well, yeah, I've decided to do it because I think right now, while I'm still, you know, young and have the, the, the freedom to to go that's one thing that you always hear from your elders are like when you're young travel get it all out and uh so yeah i've kind of reached that point where i was getting bored with the waves at home and and just realizing that southern california is not you know really paradise that it's made out to be through you know our our visions of it you know growing up or you know growing up there and stuff it's a great place to live but Eventually, yeah, you know, I I, uh, I think that life goes in like eight-year cycles, or at least mine does. And uh, I've been at that the Hobbit house that I've lived at for like eight years now, and I just, the last couple winters have been pretty brutal. Like, you know, there's just no waves, and it's a really small space. And I just felt like, you know, like when we're having this, you know, in January, I could go to the other side of the world, and it's summer, you know, like so... I don't know. It was nice to be, to be um, comfortable in in the space that I had for for that time, and uh, it's it was awesome because I was able to make you know the zone and and um, I made Groove Move out of there and Secret Sound. I made a lot of movies and did had a lot of fun times, but but yeah, it was just kind of like why you know I don't have to be tied but down by this place, which is what I wanted to have a stable home for for a bit because i was like living out of a bag for a while and i did that and i was just like okay well i'm really focused to make this next movie how can i make that happen i think i just need to go out on the road i think everywhere that i'm going to go i'm going to kind of you know i'm going to tow myself into a situation where you know there's some like world-class waves around and the guys that i like to shoot so um i think i could you know if i get waves on these trips, you know, who knows the movie could be done pretty quick. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I just figured throw, you know, the few things that I want in storage and I'm going to empty out all the stuff, all the stuff I don't want. Same thing I did before. I remember I lived in a place and after eight years, I kind of got the itch and left as well. I had a really cool spot, like I built my own studio in there and everything. And it was like a dream spot, but I just, you know, left. So, yeah, when you're tied down to one place, like, you're not leaving your, or, you know, now that I don't have that, I'm opening up myself to maybe some interesting situations or or times, you know, like I could end up living in Australia or I could, you know, end up in Hawaii for a month, you know, like, just places that I think I want to be at. And, uh, 
um, and having the freedom to do it, uh, I'm going to take advantage of it starting December. So yeah, it's going to be a fun 2020 for me. I'm going to try to outline it, blueprint it for people who are starting to fantasize in their head. Do you keep a car in Southern California? Do you keep, obviously you said you do have storage there. Uh, Are you going to be renting places long-term on the road? And is it going to cost you more to live the vagabond lifestyle or less than Southern California would be? Well, the, the goal for me is, is like live the same, you know, by the same means. So by eliminating that cost for, for rent that I'm paying, uh, there could be, yeah, a possibility of, I find a place to sublet when I'm on the road for a month, you know, and that would be, you know, the equivalent to a rent that I'm paying. So I'm planning on that happening. Yeah, that's a possibility. But yeah, a lot of the places that I go to, I'm kind of um, also hoping to get accommodated, you know, by friends and stuff. A lot of them have an extra bed or I'm pretty simple. So to to have somewhere for me to stay. And, uh, and then, yeah, I'm just, I've got to the point where I'm, you know, I'm putting a little nest egg, putting some money aside so I can hit the road for three or four months and not have to um, worry about, you know, this or that, like everything's kind of taken care of. But yeah, I will, I do have a car and this, this is, you know, the first part of, of this year, I'm going to definitely, you know, find a place probably to store my truck. So when I do go back home, I'll, I could be mobile because I, I think I'm going to have to edit at some point during all this process and, you know, going back home, will be no problem for me. I'll have places to stay after I go out on the road. So I'm going to have, yeah, just stores with like, you know, some negatives and film and cameras and hard drives that are important, like a really small one. And I don't have that much stuff, you know, just crit, put in crates and then yeah, find a place to store my truck. And then, uh, I'm going to keep it and yeah, see what happens. Cool. Uh, what are your destinations that you already have mapped out for this trip? Yeah, it's weird. Cause yeah, they're at, I think he was asking me last night. He's like, boring. That sounds boring. But it's like right now I know I like I'm, I think I'm going to Hawaii <laughs> and then I think I'm going to Baja and then, you know, I'm never, I'm not rolling out like going to the Caribbean and I know I'm going to Australia at a certain point. And I know I'm going to go to, to Bali at one point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I really want to go to Portugal. So, um, I mean, I just went, had my, spent my first time in France. So I, I know I can, you know, I could go to France and, uh, so yeah, those are the main ones I'm looking at and, and who knows what'll pop up. It's all kind of going to these interesting locations would be something that I think like a cast member would want to do. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, well, can I go? And like, yeah, you're you're in. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, I'm looking for places that are moderately temperatured yeah totally you're warm <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a fair weather guy i mean yeah you could see it in all my work i like like sunny stuff and yeah. blue water and swim trunks and that that's my my um that's my like happy places so i'll be kind of looking for for that type of thing have you ever reconsidered locate or have you ever considered relocating to new Smyrna beach it has all of those things <laughs> It's yeah, no, I like how tropical it is. I mean, it's really swampy. I've, I, I've barely spent any time, like not that much time outdoors other than when we went and surfed and stuff. But yeah, it's like, I have all these little strange bug bites or like, 
yeah, I don't know where they came from, but it's, 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 um, it's pretty, pretty tropical here. You know, I, I get a sense of like Australia mm-hmm. and Costa Rica kind of to mesh together here. I know. But, uh, I, I mean, if I had to, I would, I mean, there's some decent ways and there's, you know, obviously there's a lot more people around than I thought. I thought it was like one street with like 42 people, right. but <laughs> it's like huge. There's stuff popping off everywhere there's lots of you know attractive females there's yeah there's it's got everything there's a huge coastline like the the two people that i knew from florida came last night and i was like i didn't even tell them to come because i thought it would be kind of far and then i realized it was like oh dude it's only an hour and a half away or i live 40 minutes away and like from us in california like well that's pretty far you know but for them they're like we don't ever have to worry about traffic or yeah on the coast you just shoot it on these freeways and you're you're at the outer banks or you're you know here near samirna or but yeah it's really cool i would live here if i had to but i mean it wouldn't be like a first choice but but it's um yeah i mean it's it's almost like flip a coin for here in california but waves aren't good enough here yeah i yeah and yeah you know i mean california have my family and everything so it's kind of like i know i'll always be centered around that Mm -hmm. and um but yeah i like florida i think it's i love the beaches they're they blow california's beaches away yeah it's the actual white sand and like yeah Yeah. it feels like you're like actually out in nature (laughs) so um talking about bug bites I'm starting to regret my decision to leave this door open for the cool air while we're recording this. Mm-hmm. My room's going to be full of bugs. Really? I, I, they're, they're saying they're flying like, around. They're like freaking invisible. That's what someone was saying. There's this one little tick that lives in that moss and they just, you don't even see them and they burrow in you. And I think maybe that's what I got. I don't know. Really? They're, they're, they're called don't see us or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Don't see them. I've heard, I've heard him say that. So yeah, there's like invisible bugs, but, but yeah, I was talking to my friend who lives here. He's like, you just become immune to it. Totally. And it's the same thing. But, but us Californians, we don't have any mosquitoes. There's no bugs. So yeah. Oh, he's going to Indonesia and Australia. I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. ah, and it's kind of the same feeling here. But I think that, uh, if you live there, you kind of just cop it and totally. get, yeah, you get used to it. So. You see tourists on the first couple days of the trip, like lathering up with bug spray and all that sort of stuff. And after a certain point, you just deal with it. Um, One thing I want to talk about is your uh, writing free friction. Make sure I get that right. Yeah. Not finless, not friction free. Tell me about why you're writing free friction. I just love the feelings that you get from it whether it's um, just that that feeling of going sideways is almost, uh, if not more rewarding than, um, you know, like really bashing a lip or doing a hack. I just feel like when I get on a fin board now, it's, um, I don't know, there's just too much fin. <laughs> it's really draggy. Yeah, I just, I love the feeling of um, just... Yeah, you go so much faster. Um, just like it sounds, you know, uh, it's just, yeah, you're free of friction. So, yeah, you're going a lot faster. 
uh, I would say it's not, I mean, obviously I'm not a hundred percenter. I'm not like someone that's like hardcore, uh, no fins. I mean, I love if the time, if the conditions call for to have fins in the board, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm putting them in, you know, but I'd say, you know, more than half of the time I surf, it's with no fins. Cause usually when the waves are bad, uh, say around our, you know, in, in Newport or anywhere in Southern California or anywhere on the planet for that matter. And you just have a little one foot closeout. You could go out on a soft board and with no fins and go sideways on your stomach and just be like, we, and yeah. that's what surfing is, is having that, that feeling of, uh, you know, that free feeling that, that fun exuberant that you get as a kid. And that's what I feel like having, you know, surfing, um uh free of friction is that's what it does for me it just frees me to not be so serious and and just uh enjoy the moment of each wave in some way or another yeah it's, what type of conditions would you prefer to have fins in uh yeah when it's tubing like okay. <laughs> definitely when it's tubing i'm not good enough of a surfer to not have the fins in like guys like Derek or Ari Brown or something. These people are like really literally almost not human. They make it look easy, but you have to be super flexible and super light, which those two things are I'm missing. So yeah, I understand my limitations and I've been trying. I mean, I'm probably on year shoot year five or something trying to surf you know, without fins in the board. And, uh, it's still like I'm just getting comfortable to the point where I can get up to my feet and get one pump in, okay. you know? So that is a five-year journey in yeah. itself for, for like people that are, are not exceptional surfers like, you know, us. Yeah. So yeah, it's just fun. It's a whole new feeling. I, I would, I rode, you know, I had my thruster phase for, 15 years and then I went into my fish phase for 10 years and then started going into the longboarding and and uh yeah I just uh it it uh it just makes it a whole new has just whole new feelings you know so what's your go-to board at home oh I mostly ride like a seven foot soft tops but I yeah I have like um yes yeah, Seven foot is like the the size that I that I really connect with, and then I also have like nine foot for when it's like really small to have. But yeah, those are like the two size boards that I mostly run with. You know, like seven foot, nine foot, seven foot soft top, no fins. Yeah, yeah, Free yeah. That that's my um, yeah, that's my go to probably for. You know, I'm almost, I think I'm on year eight of almost exclusively riding soft boards. So it's been, so what, that's yeah, fun. Tell me about that. In addition to the finless, why soft boards instead? Uh, they're just safe, you know, like for me, honestly, like they're safe and you could go out and it's a toy. It's not serious. Um, and yeah, I just, you just have a whole different kind of mindset in the water. It just, frees you up and and um you're just kind of 
wanting to have fun or just it is fun you're just like you can't take yourself serious because you're like on a piece of styrofoam you know and uh so yeah i like i like all that you know that that it's like cool it's it's super um safe and it's and uh it's super fun and it's super not serious that's that's why the um there's certain designs in the finless board or free friction boards that derek and uh ari are writing that tremendously help their efforts to not have fins you know there's channels there's sharp edges and all that sort of stuff that uh, i think would benefit you if you got off the soft top if you had like a hard board, you could design in features that'll help you execute your oh, yeah. free friction. No, I've, I've ridden a rabbit's foot and I've ridden some of Derek's shapes and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, um, you then where I get to the point, seriously. that's when I get to the point where my favorite thing about riding a softboard is how safe it is. Cause like I could go out and go under the lip on, you know, like a, 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 10 foot face wall and just I'm going sideways under the lip as it's breaking. And I'm just kind of laughing in my head, like, Whoa, this is going to be fun. Yeah. As to where you're on a hardboard with a really sharp edge and channels and you're just like, okay, how am I going to get out of this situation? So mm. yeah, that's, um, where can people find zone frequency? Um, right now it's on Vimeo on demand cool. and yeah, the, the reason that I have it on Vimeo on demand, it's almost like a Patreon for like creators. I mean, they, they help out as far as, um, the, whatever sales that you make, they give most to the creator. Um, as, as opposed to, you know, like iTunes and Apple, they take a large chunk of that. So right now it's just, I'm, I'm going to keep it available on there for a few more months and then eventually it'll be on iTunes and, and what, that, that format. What's the cost? Oh, it's 10.99. Cool. Yeah. I wanted to keep it, you know, like the cost of a meal deal, like <laughs> could have been 13 out, you know, well, why don't you do this and that? I'm like, I mean, 10.99. Um, I felt like you're right where I wanted to be, or you could like rent it for five bucks or something like that. But um, but yeah, it's soon coming to iTunes and I know that that's a huge, um, format for, uh, a lot of people that they like that it's super user friendly. Everyone has their Apple account. Boom. It's on your laptop or your phone once you buy it. So I'm just waiting a little bit longer till I put the film up on iTunes, but that's the process is about to start for that. So do you have a favorite section in the film? Um, yeah, I mean, my favorite section is the final section. It's like that, that family piece to the, to the harp song with Gavin and Rangy and Ozzy. And then it closes out with Bryce and his mom. Um, yeah, I kind of built the movie around. I knew I had that section cause that, that song came to me early in the go. You the song know? So good. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. It's a special song to me. And, uh, yeah, really, uh, I really feel that, that, that section is you know the most important in the movie so it just it kind of brings all my work into perspective in one little section i feel like it's powerful yeah thank you uh you're welcome and i forgot to ask when we were talking about cast members earlier but how'd you connect with gavin beshin 
it's great to see him in the film and yeah. you got him to voice over some mm -hmm. stuff. Tell yeah. He did was. the spoken word. Yeah. It was like dream come true to in the zone. There was a little bit of spoken word in the beginning, but that was by my producer and my friend, Harry. And obviously I think surf movies are pretty much, they should, you know, or they're mostly surfing, but there's gotta be some type of little intro or outro to, preface what the movie stands for and all that stuff. So I knew in the back of my mind, I was like, Gavin is, you know, for me, one of my favorite, uh, cultural surfers. And I love his, the way he looks at the world and stuff. So I knew when I kind of had the movie title, I was like, this is, you know, the zone frequency and, and, uh, and it'd been a long process. Like I, like I said, it is like, I was friends with his team manager for, for Volcom. And it took a couple years. It was a couple year process. I was like, well, I really want to meet Gavin. And he was like, okay, cool. I'll run it by. And then, you know, Gavin's not, you know, he's has his family and his life. And I could imagine like, oh yeah, someone wants to do something with you. They're like, Oh, cool. And Gavin's kind of like at that point in his career where he's not really shooting with anyone, you know, anymore. He's kind of like just cruising. And, uh, so yeah. And then finally I was going to Hawaii and then it was all teed up by my friend Richie and, uh, and then the, he connected us and, um, yeah, we, I mean, we got along right away and, yeah. uh, and, and it was cool too, because Gavin didn't really know what I was up to. He he was just kind of like flattered, like, "Wow, you know, like that's cool that someone wants to shoot with me, you know, almost type thing." He's very humble. Had he seen your films? No, I don't think so. I didn't even. I wasn't like, "Oh, here, check this out." It was just kind of like, "Let's see what happens." And then um, once we kind of started going, I knew I was like, "Okay, this this could possibly happen," and. Um, What's he doing? And then, what's that? What's he doing? Who? Gavin. As like his, for his life. Where's he well, living? yeah. He's living in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. He lives in Hawaii. On the, you know, he lives on the North Shore. He doesn't travel too much. You know, he, do, he does a couple trips a year, maybe. So he's he's just raising his, um, his kids, you know. Marley's getting up there now. I don't know, 11 or 12. And then Banyan. Um so yeah, he's been really focused on that. It, it seems like, and then you know, obviously he's like a just uh, like a life a Volcom. He's he is Volcom, you know him. There's a few guys. It's like you know Ozzy and Gavin are Volk. So Volcom has been able to, you know, I'm I'm sure that that um, that's his main focus. Whatever Volcom wants him to do, or yeah, and then yeah, he does a lot of other like cool stuff with some organizations and just chilling on the North shore. Just like he's, he's happy there. And, uh, yeah, so stoked the dream come true to have him in the movie. And then also like doing spoken word for it. And he summarizes and, and sets the movie up perfect. And, uh, so, so stoked, you know, Good. <laughs> right on Jack Coleman. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. DLS. Thank you, bro. You're welcome.
Zone Frequency is available for rent on Vimeo for $4.99. You can buy it for $10.99, as Jack said. I've linked to all of that on surfsplendorpodcast.com, where you can watch the trailer, you can see stills from the film, and some shots of Jack and I at the Florida Surf Film Festival, which I owe a huge thank you to John Brooks and Kevin Miller for hosting that wonderful festival and investing in surf film in general. So thanks guys for that. Slowtide.co is where you can get the highest quality towels, both beach towels, bath towels. They're designed as functional pieces of art and uh, that's no joke. They do collabs with various artists, Clark Little and Takashi Murakami included. And beyond those artist collabs, even just their styles are beautifully designed. My oversized woven towel hasn't faded at all in the past year that I've been using it and I use it all the time. Um, I've also got a beach blanket that I use all of the time, just leave it in my car. Their new line of bath towels is also amazing. They use a cotton leads program and their polyester products are made from 100% recycled post-consumer waste, primarily recycled plastic bottles. So not only is it the highest quality product, but they're responsibly made, they're built to last. So you should start thinking about holiday gifting and you can do that on slowtide.co. Use the word podcast as the promo code and you'll receive 10% off your order, which also hugely supports this show. So slowtide.co, promo code podcast. Thank you so much. Also, if you donate any amount to this show in the month of November, you'll be entered to win one of two almond slash Surfrider soft tops. So we've got a 5.4 quad and an 8.0 single fin to give away this month. Super excited to share those with you. Surfsplendorpodcast.com slash donate is where you can see the boards, learn more about them, and then drop some change into the bucket to keep this show moving forward. I hope that you're also enjoying our weekly episodes of The Grit. We do those on Fridays with Chess Smith. And then I'll be over on Spit with Scott Bass on Tuesday of next week. And then back here with Jamie Brissick next Wednesday for another episode of Surf Splendor. A lot to look forward to. So until then, this is David Scales reminding you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and shred on. Mm -hmm.